For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Directing traffic from the base of the ruck, it's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Rugby Run on SCNZ. Yeah, this is SENZ. It is the rugby run just gone at one o'clock and Justin Marshall is with me, all black great halfback and of course a man who doesn't mind a bit of golf. He's played in the odd pro-am, played in the odd charity tournament and Marshall, I know that uh, you all have been as shocked as as many of us uh, when you heard the news about Shane Warne's uh, um, unbelievable passing. It feels unreal that he's gone. I, I imagine he's a man that you've you've met a few times around a golf course. Yes, good afternoon to you, Ricardo. Uh, good afternoon to all the listeners out there. Absolutely tragic news uh, to hear about the passing of the greatest spinner to ever play the game, Shane Warne. And I don't think that's um, debatable. I think uh, what he did, the wickets that um, he accumulated and the way he went about it over a long period of time for Australia and all around the world in general uh, is unrivaled. So... Yeah, it was really awful to hear uh, of his passing at such a tender age of, of 52. Um, it makes us all think, doesn't it, when you hear news like that. Um, and, and the sporting world, again, is rocked after only a week ago being completely shattered by the passing of both Inger and Joe Alley. And uh, to hear of uh, Shane Warne passing away as well, it, it just feels uh, so so um, surreal at the moment. Uh, no doubt... Um, I had plenty of opportunities in the time that I played rugby. Uh, Shane Warne was more of an advocate of Aussie Aussie rules football than rugby. Um, but as you mentioned, he was a very keen golfer uh, and um, often frequented the, the New Zealand Open. So I did get to meet him and spend some time with him there. But previously before that, Ricardo, uh, I actually, on my very first... Um, time that I arrived over into the UK in 2005 um, through a very good friend of mine and and at at the time my agent, uh, Leanne McGoldricks, who's very close with Shane and worked with him, she managed to get in touch with Warney uh, that year and uh, he organised me a couple of tickets to go watch uh, the Ashes uh, at Old Trafford in Manchester and um, it was very kind of him. He didn't know me for a bar of soap. He was doing, obviously, the favour for Leanne. But I tell you what, in that particular series, Shane Warne, the English won that that entire series, and it was some of the greatest cricket the Ashes have ever produced. Um, but for all of Australia uh, not w- winning that series, Shane Warne couldn't have done anything more. If you want to look back into the archives and look at his performance throughout that series, it was absolutely incredible, the true mark of the man. Yeah, I mean, I know that, um, you know, he's obviously uh, was a larger-than-life sort of character, but, I mean, to, I don't know if you ever played around the golf with him. I, I, that was my assumption, but, I mean, uh, what was the bloke like, uh, you know, one-on-one when the cameras weren't there, when there wasn't a mic in front of him? Oh, he was very good. He was very social, obviously, um, which was which was uh, Warney's strength. Uh, you know, he, he, he enjoyed a beer um, post any sport. Like like uh, like a lot of people do, uh, and um, because of that, he he was always very approachable, uh, approachable for anybody. 
you know, so, you know, getting to meet him and have a couple of beers with him, you know, he was in good company as well with the likes of Ricky Ponting uh, floating around at, at the New Zealand Opens. Uh, but he was always, I guess, not harassed, but he was always sought after. And, you know, sometimes that, that can make people uh, feel a little, I guess, insular, but also protective and they kind of shy away a little bit and and, and, bec- and become, I guess it looks like from the exterior, they become unapproachable and, and hard to deal with. Um, when you're getting it all the time, you know, what I saw with Shane Warne was similar to what I saw with Jonah Lomu and the way that Jonah handled it was incredible. I'd often see my, well, I would actually witness that I would walk out um, the tunnel heading towards the aftermatch with with my with my number one my arm number one's my armor on after a test match suited and booted ready to go and um, crack into a beer and 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 have a chat with the opposition Jonah was still out on the field signing kids autographs mm. and that's what I saw in Shane Warne that didn't matter whether it was a, a five year old kid or a fifty year old or a male or female um, who wanted a photo or wanted to say hi. He always had the time for them. And not a lot of people with his profile in sport or in the world in general have the time for everybody. They just they get the shits or they just have had enough or they're having a bad day and they just tune off. And I never, ever witnessed that with him. And uh, I think that goes a long way to showing the type of bloke he was. Yeah, yeah, top man. Uh, by all accounts, we've got Ryan Fox coming on the show around four o'clock to, to have a chat about Warnie. They played a lot of pro-ams together and uh, Warnie always uh, supported his charity uh, tournaments and things as well. So we've got that coming up later in the show. But uh, Marshy, oh, you, you're right there, mate? I nearly dropped my coffee, but <laughs> oh, I saved it, mate. You I saved it. it. I showed better hands than, I, than the couple of the Highlanders and <laughs> Hurricanes did in the game last night. So, yeah. Stony spilt a little bit, but managed to hold the ball. Oh, mate, well done, well done. Uh, he's he still got it, still got the reflexes. Um, the uh, the the Super Rugby this weekend, of course. Um, I, th- I think the big talking point's got to be, and Mills Malian is going to come on with us uh, shortly. But uh, the big talking point's got to be the the Drua getting their first win in Super Rugby and and putting the Rebels to the sword. Uh, that was a great performance. Oh, absolutely, it was. And isn't it great for for Super for Super Rugby Pacific that uh, one of the, one of the new teams introduced. Who after the first round, everybody rolled their eyes, including me and and you, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. a degree, yeah, and said, "Oh no, you know this is a great innovation, um, and it's and it's awesome that we're getting the ability for Moana Pacifica and also the Fijian Indra to come into this competition." But what we don't want to see is them getting humi- humiliated next week. That's not good for uh, each week. That's not good for them. It's not good for rugby. And it's not good for players and their confidence. And it certainly looked like that was going to be the case uh, with the Drua because um, they, they were pretty average that first week. They mm. slightly improved the second. But for them to learn from those two two games and galvanise and then uh, crack on with a, with a win against uh, the Melbourne Rebels, who have some real good quality super rugby players and experienced players within their team, was an absolutely brilliant result. And the, the style and the way that they did it as well was what impressed me. You know, some of the tries they scored, and they had a couple of belters disallowed as well. I think at one stage, the winger, and, and forgive me out there for um, a little bit of my ignorance, please, listeners, uh, because I was actually watching the game um, in the bar with the sound down. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
while it, you obviously don't pick up on the names, but you're seeing the action. And, uh, you know, one of the wingers there that got a try just allowed under the post, he beat about four defenders in doing it. So, man, it just warmed my heart to see that. It really did. Uh, and it, it all bodes well for them really developing and becoming a team that teams will have to take notice of in this competition. Yeah, and uh, you know, and I think the other thing that we should talk about and we will address uh, more as the show goes on too was uh, Moana Pacifica's um, performance against the Crusaders. And I know the Crusaders didn't put their top team out, but uh, everyone that I talked to was going, well, this is a lay down Mazir, you know, that it'll be, it doesn't matter who the Crusaders got on the field, they'll win by this, this by 50. Um, but Moana Pacifica really gave the Crusaders a, a lot of problems, both with the ball and on D. Yeah, they did, and, and with their physicality as well. And look, I, I you never do um, not expect physicality when you when you're playing, um, you know, Polynesian based sides because they do bring bring that power. And uh, I've, I've I've felt that firsthand. But it's their ability to keep up that intensity and that physicality over the period of eighty minutes that that was all that is always something that's the, probably the biggest question uh, and. Certainly did see that 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 impact and that velocity in the, in the early exchanges, and in my mind, I was thinking they're going to hit the wall here big time. Um, totally admiring the way that they approached the game, their their attitude to the physical side of the game, uh, and they did have to absorb quite a bit early on before they actually got their first opportunity, uh, and they still had plenty of gas in the tank at the 80th minute. Uh, really positive performance given yeah look the Crusaders had some changes but the Crusaders out of all the teams in this competition can have changes and they changed all black for all black you changed Seba Reese for uh, for George Bridge you know so they have the ability to do that the Crusaders and you know they they, they, they don't lose a great deal you know like you bring in Dunshay and Quinton Strange hmm. um, they'd probably be starting for most teams around the country or close to it if not that you know you know, be pushing the incumbents. So certainly no slouches by any means. And um, the side that the Crusaders put out would challenge anybody in this and beat everybody, anybody in this competition. So, yeah, it was absolutely brilliant to see that performance. Uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, obviously um, right at the pit of my stomach. I'm a, a proud Crusader for having played there the amount of times that I did. And that franchise I hold dear to my heart and I want to see them do well and I want to see them be successful and continue to win and enhance our reputation in our history as, as a franchise um, but I probably got more satisfaction in that game out of the Moana Pacifica performance to be perfectly honest and that's just hand on heart saying that man they made me feel good the way they played. Yeah no that, I, I think it's I, uh, I can't remember uh, was he the 12 or the 13 our mower um, in the midfield for yep. that, that bloke has got rocks for shoulders I mean some of the hits <laughs> he put on and like he stopped a lot bigger men than himself who had a run on him as well just bent them at half yeah he did like like him and um, Danny uh, Tuala in the midfield were outstanding and you know uh, Funaki as well uh, he didn't miss many and um, Henry Time Stowers like honestly uh, the way that he played at number eight was absolutely outstanding. Uh, the front five fronted up, like usually in a game like that. And you saw it a few times when the Crusaders flexed their, flexed their muscles and probably caught them uh, when they were tired. Minor Pacifica, um, the scrum wobbled. But in general, the scrum will wobble for 80 minutes uh, because it's probably not a strength of, of Island rugby scrummaging and, and, and that particular set piece. 
but they stood up there, you know. So the front five had to get kudos as well. You got, you know, you got Mike McKee and, and Samuel Slade in the in the middle row there, and Sakopi Kepu, the captain, who he looked naked after twenty five minutes, but somehow <laughs> he managed to to get into the second half. And um, Tolai and even Lindemuth, you know, like. Yeah, they showed plenty, mate. That was bloody impressive. It was. I was to be honest, I was surprised how long Kipu lasted uh, yeah. uh, into, into the second half because he played probably about twenty minutes of the second half as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He he was he looked spent at one stage, and he won't mind me saying this. I know him well. Um, there was a sequence going on, and he he was basically looking back towards his own try line, watching it. Supposedly <laughs> <laughs> in the line defending, he was trying to get himself back in the line. But the Crusaders were busy attacking with the ball, and his other fourteen teammates were hanging on for dear life defending. And poor old Sakopi Kepa was trying to get back in the line, but for a couple for a couple of rucks, and then he finally made it. But yeah, look, I was really impressed with that. Look, and let's throw it into the, into the mix as well for everybody out there to understand, you know, that, that it's always one of their um, real work-ons is, is getting to that 80-minute level of con- consistent uh, tempo, and, and that's a fitness thing. Yeah. Uh, but for them to be able to stay in that match as long as what they did and contribute as much as they did in it with also having had COVID go through the, the entire um, side... <sighs> which laid them all out, um, isolation. Uh, they hadn't played a game, so they were two games behind everybody else in terms of intensity. Boy, you know, they, they showed real heart, real heart. And and obviously they had they had big time. They had Inga and Joe Alley uh, in their thoughts and, and as they do in their prayers. And uh, they certainly didn't let them down in the way that they played and expressed themselves. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, it's actually your description of uh, Sakopi Kipu looking at the line, standing their hands on hips, re- reminded me uh, of, of myself getting up after the 10th burpee and thinking, you want me to run where? <laughs> what? No? No? Ten? Or seventh, Ricardo. <laughs> You're probably third, to be fair. <laughs> I was rounding. I was rounding. <laughs> this, yeah. this is the rugby run. Ricardo, Paul, Justin Marshall with you. When we come back, uh, Mills Muliaina is going to join us. We're going to talk some more super rugby. This is SENZ, the rugby run at 18 past one. And today we do have your opportunity to win a Dometic Cool Ice WCI 33 Roto Molded Ice Box. Holds 33 litres. We'll keep ice as ice for days and we'll hold uh, stand up big bots as well. All you've got to do is text us through double eight double three your player of the Super Rugby round and uh, play Match Marshy. If it matches Justin Marshall's player of the round, uh, that could be all yours. So get texting double eight. Double three. Uh, my pleasure now to introduce to the show. Welcome to the show, uh, former All Black Mills Muliaina. G'day, Mills. How you doing? Hey, g'day, mate. Yeah, not, not too bad. Not too it's bad a, to be on. Yeah, yeah. No, great to have you, mate. Great to have you. I, I had to ask um, off the top, mate. It seems like at the moment we have an absolute. We're absolutely spoiled for choice when it comes to quality fullbacks coming through. I mean, obviously Geordie's doing a great job, but you know Connor Garden Bashup for the Highlanders these last couple of rounds has really put his hand up. Zan Sullivan is showing some good things. We've got Will Jordan running around. You know, I mean, uh, we've got uh, an absolute plethora of options at fullback at the moment, don't we? Yeah, we certainly do. I mean, uh, who would want to be an all-black coach at the moment? Of course, Stephen Pelofetto as well, playing for the Blues yesterday, outstanding form. So, gee, there's, there's an abundance of them, that, that's for sure. But, um, you know, certainly some guys that are lightening up, I think, you know, in, in terms of uh, where Geordie is at and his consistency so far in these first three rounds, um, you know, he's certainly um, stepped up. But there's, there's, some quality, um, there's some quality there, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. We've got uh, got a ton of quality running around at the moment. And the 15, uh, what did you make of your Chiefs 
uh, yesterday, mate, up against the Blues. I mean, I, I felt like they probably got the rub of the green when it came to the referee. There was a few few 50-50s that went the other way. Uh, but but what did you make of the final result on that one? Oh, look, I think, first of all, great. I mean, um, a great moment also for, you know, Brad Webber to, to, to get his 100th game. He, he had an exceptional game. Um, I thought they were going to pick them at the end there. Uh, unfortunately, you know, um, you know, it's a... You know, Brent's just sort of missing that opportunity there. But you know, the Blues, um, I thought, you know, a little bit, a little bit scrappy it was a scrappy sort of a um, sort of a second half. They they came out in that first half, a lot of try, a couple of tries, really nice tries being scored. But um, you know, in the end, it was a nice little we um, nice little set up try there that uh, they were set up by Stephen Petrofetto. Um, but I like the way that the Chiefs are, um, are moving. I think they've got a, a decent enough four pack there. Um, I like the way they're playing, that they're playing the game. Um, you know, perhaps. Um, they look a little bit messy, uh, particularly in that second half. But uh, certainly, there's some good things that have come out of it. And I, and I think if you look at the Blues where they where they were the week before, uh, and almost put it again, I think uh, there'll be a, a bit of relief, and uh, uh, certainly on um, you know in terms of uh, Leon McDonald and the coaching staff that they they got there in the end. Hey, Millsy, Marshy here, mate. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, yeah, absolutely agree on what you surmised there in that game. Look, the Chiefs probably rude, not taking opportunities. They let the Blues back in and, yeah, they got the rub of the green and the finish, the Blues. But um, I wanted to sort of move on and ask you uh, about the Moana Pacifica performance. Um, you know, I guess it warmed your heart to see the the effort and the skill set and just the, the style of rugby that they produced against the Crusaders. What did you make of the match? Oh, yeah, absolutely enjoyed it. Um, you know, it was always, I think it's, it was a tough one. I, I sort of, um, you know, watched them in the preseason against the Chiefs and they struggled a wee bit. So, um, and then obviously the COVID factor, um, seeing a lot of, lot of players. But they came out in um, plenty of heart, plenty of physicality, uh, plenty of soul there. So Aaron Major's really building a, a really good sort of environment, and a, a culture. Um, in terms of that and what they sort of produced against. So, I mean, it's a, it's a quality... Uh, Crusaders team, um, you know, there's, there's certainly guys in that Crusaders team that you could easily sort of start week in, you know, week out. So it's there's, there's the makings of a really good team. Um, I guess if I was going to play people's advocate, is you know whether they can keep to that consistency week in, week out. But the motivation's certainly there. You know, they've got history behind the fact you know they're in this competition. Um, you know, a lot of guys will be motivated by, the, by that that fact and, and to inspire uh, Pacifica people. Um, but this is a quality competition. You know, we've, we've seen, um, you know, that any team can win, um, you know, on, on their day. And it's, it's where they can use that motivation, but also use the technical side of things as well with their, with their coaches and, and making sure they come up with a game plan. And, um, you know, because when you look at them on paper, um, you know, compared to the other teams, you know, the other teams have got it all over them. Um, it's where they can, you know, uh, keep on with that sort of passion and pride but also making sure that the, the technical side of things, um, you know, they can play. And that was probably more evident in that, in that later stage of that half against the Crusaders, where the Crusaders just rolled up their sleeves and they went to the set-piece. This is the sort of stuff I'm talking about, whether they can, you know, go to the set-piece game and, and set a good platform and, in um, you know, throughout the whole 80 minutes and, and have the quality players to be able to go, OK, you know, we can, we can run this ball right or we can um, defend with physicality and run the ball hard. But can we actually roll our sleeves up from a technical point of view and, and have that really good set piece that, um, that's needed throughout this competition? Good point. Like, let's throw your uh, over 100 oh, test, well, your 100 test uh, experience and 
we'll throw a coaching uh, cap on you as well, Millsy, which you enjoy. Um, so if you were coaching them, what? How would you have them play? Like, and and and, and equally, I, I guess this kind of relates to the the endure as well. Like, do you do you? How do you enable that uh, Pacifica flair to come out and you know because you, you don't want to get into an arm wrestle with teams that traditionally play a New Zealand style or an Australian style of game, do you? But you also you don't want to play sevens and and, and you know basically run up your own ass. So I was kind of how would you how would you break down the best way for them to play? Oh mate, it's such it's, it's such a hard balance because you don't want to take that flair away from their game. But also by allowing them, you know, allowing Pacifica guys to play like that, sometimes you can get disjointed. So enable them to play that. First of all, the, the, you know, the, obviously they've worked hard on their fitness and their physicality. Which is, you know, the trainers have done a, a really good job. But again, I come back to that technical aspect, you know, um, and, and that probably comes down to your drivers. McClutchy's done a fantastic job. Like, he played well last night. His partnership uh, with Inares, you know, obviously, you know, they've formed really well through you know, um, you know, the NPC, you know, but this is a different level. So it's really about those sort of guys, um, you know, making sure they, they, they game manage well, you know, there's an aspect of, you know, the flair and making sure we're right, but then also making really good decisions that, hey, there is going to be times where we have to, we have to kick and try and, um, and try and get our lineup so we can make these big tackles to then hopefully turn over the ball and get into that arm wrestle with, with teams. That's probably where, the Crusaders struggled a little, a little bit. They got a really good balance of the Moana um, Pacifica team. The, the key is for them now is to be able to just keep working on that balance. And they've got a good, good, good coaching staff. Aaron Major's a very sound coach. Um, you know, they've got, you know, they're working a lot on the, um, the heritage off the field in terms of what they do there. But it's just, it's really important that they have the real game manage, management guys that are around there sort of, you know, picking the moments of when to actually get a balance right between how to scout the stuff compared to uh, the technical aspect of the game. Are you worried about their depth, Millsy? Like, man, some super franchises will be wondering, how did Danny Tuala and Levi Omoa, um, and to a degree, William Harvelli, you know, how, how did those guys not come to our attention earlier because of the way they played? But maybe you take those guys out, you take uh, Irida Nari out and, and, and uh, teammate Stowers, do the, if they start to get fatigued and get some injuries, have they got the depth in the rest of the squad, or is that is that ultimately probably what's going to hurt them as this com- as they go deeper into this competition? Yeah, massive, mate. You've hit the nail on the head. The, the, the depth here is, is probably a big worry. But I suppose if you look at the, the bigger picture, you know, what does this competition look like in terms of you know later on? You know, obviously they're inspiring guys to be able to, you know, come on board. I mean, you've spoken about those guys that Super Rugby franchises have, have missed out on, but the reality is we've got so much depth in our franchises that guys like this will miss out. So I guess it would be nice if you, if you kind of, you know, strip back things and you look at guys that are actually on the bench um, for other franchises, you know, like an offer to an Fossi, for instance, the Garden Bashes of, you know, the Hurricanes or the Umanga Jensen's um, the type of guys that, you know, perhaps there's an opportunity for those guys to one day say, hey, well, I, I don't necessarily want to, you know, be sitting on the bench week in, week out. Can I get game time where I can go to Wana uh, Pacifica and, you know, and be attracted by that? Not not just uh, by the way they play, but also financially as well. It, it does that open that up now for, for something later? Now, this is probably opening up a whole can of worms, but 
I think ah. it will it, it, it produce some really good depth and produce some really good depth and and also oh. create a really good competition. Yeah, oh, man, I love that. Like, I don't know whether it's you know it's counterproductive to you know what Sir Michael Jones um, and and Sir B G Williams were trying to achieve in terms of Pacifica rugby, but you know maybe they just get a small balance like like he's like you add a Luke Romano in, into that uh, tight five mm-hmm. uh, and you know who wasn't getting any game time with the Crusaders and imagine the difference that he makes or you know somebody else who struggles for, for game time um, elsewhere so it's only a small little interference in the dominant Pacifica gene but yet it's given those guys a bit of a reinvigorated um, opportunity to play and express themselves and perhaps be noticed more and equally it just adds a little bit of a, a solid a pr- approach to the depth of the squad, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely! And I could tell you, there's some guys in red and black jerseys that I can, uh, I'm, I'm sure would would, uh, would be great <laughs> for them too, mate. They've got plenty of depth down there, Marcy. <laughs> Yeah, they've got tons of depth there, right, Mills? I mean, if, you know, uh, Razor reasonably well, mate, he would have obviously seen this as an opportunity to give um, some guys who are knocking on the door at training and that an opportunity to impress. Uh, and I think probably a few of them would have learned a lot last night. Um, do, you, do you see off the back of last night any of them uh, bothering that sort of first 23? I, I, I think Razor will be well aware about you know the use of the squad. He's... Uh, he's very sound in terms of how he motivates his players. For, for a lot of these guys, uh, they'll be going out there to try and make, would have gone out there to try and make a point. But it's one of those games they know that you sort of get involved with it. Sometimes the harder you try, and because you haven't had the, um, the sort of that momentum, you know, after a couple of games, that you, know, you sort of, you know, you, you lose sort of connection with the other guys. Uh, I think there's still plenty of talent there. There'll be um, later on in the, in the last stages of of the uh, competition, you know, some of these guys, um, you know, will be really starting to put their hand up and that's what Razor wants. All he wants is guys to be competitive and actually pushing, um, you know, guys, um, you know, to, to actually earn that, that sort of starting 15 spot or, or in the 23. And they've got a really good balance there. So I don't, I don't think um, he'll be too concerned about that. There's, there's a lot, lot of factors that sort of played into that. And one of the biggest ones is the motivation of, you know, Moana Pacifica and how they sort of came out, you know, written off and they'll con- continue to be written off, I suppose, in terms of going forward. But, um, you know, they played a big part in coming out and, and the way they played and sort of shocked the Crusaders and um, particularly in that first, sort of, I'd say, 50 or so minutes. And what about, um, just, just going back to that Blues-Chiefs game, I know we've we kind of touched on that earlier, uh, but what have you made of Roger Tuivasa-Shek's uh, start in 15s? Uh, in rugby union, oh, well, I loved it. Loved the way the first round was awesome. Uh, he, he looked a little bit tentative, uh, you know, yesterday in, in terms of his defence. I think, you know, the Chiefs are obviously trying to target sort of, uh, you know, the, his separation between himself and um, and Rick um, You know, defensively, he, he's just going to get you know better and better, uh, and he has to be because. It's a different technique in terms of um, what the leagueies obviously do. He tends to go a little bit high. Um, but I've liked the way he's injected himself. That first week, he was absolutely outstanding. I know he's injured now, and um, let's hope his, his shoulder's uh, not, not too bad. But I, I really like the, like how he's come on, and um, particularly in that position. I, I thought that he might sort of try and find his feet a little bit on the outside, because it's probably possibly a little bit um, easier. But 
he's certainly transitioned really well into into rugby, considering you know the amount of time he's played league. Well, talk us through that then, Mills, because I, you know, had heard this chat uh, and it was mentioned in the commentary, as mentioned leading up, that the Chiefs were going to try and target some runners down uh, down his part of the field because they, you know, he's a, he's new to the new to the game, I guess. But I was like, that seems counterintuitive to me because you know, being a league, he probably makes four times as many tackles in league uh, as you would in union. So, uh, what's the difference, and why do you think they targeted that area? I just think it's the connection, um, you know. Obviously, in league, you know, it, let's, I mean, he, he's not shy of getting physical. He can tackle. This, you know, this guy can absolutely tackle. But you have to make good, really good decisions. And when guys are coming off, particularly when, you know, there's a scrum, there's, you know, set piece scrum there, and he's biting, he's sort of they're wanting him to bite in, and they're using a runner sort of, you know, behind him. And I think he hadn't. Um, I think it was Nano Saturo. Had, had he not tipped over? There was a big opening down there. I mean, you mix it up with a couple of forwards as well. That you, you know, you just want him to get a little bit flat-footed um, to try and get on that outside of them. Um, so it's probably more manipulating him, um, and particularly when you know these ruck ball and you know um, you know the guys that are beside you. Some of them are you know particularly in the second five. Some of them are, are bigger boys, so you have to stay a little bit a little bit connected. You know, although it sounds easy, um, you know, moving in a little bit closer when you know the ball's relatively fast from from set piece, those are decisions he has to make on the spot. If you're a little bit out and a little bit wider, then he's jeopardising himself in terms of um, their, their sort of pattern. So, but that only comes with you know with playing more and more and and and, and being you know connected with your guys, getting used to um, you know front football compared to back football and making really good decisions because it can sometimes, especially in that position, um, things can sometimes be all over the place. But if you have a really good voice and a connection with guys and and, and put yourself in really good positions. Um, you can easily, you know, um, find yourself, um, you know, a little bit more comfortable in, in those sort of circumstances. And on uh, that kick at the end, um, you know, you don't want to be in Bryn Hall's boots, do you? I mean, as a teammate, uh, when he when he sort of misses what looks like a very kickable penalty to win the match, what, what's your reaction? What are you what are you saying to him in the sheds? Oh mate, well I'm not one to bloody go on about bloody goal kicking. They try to make me a goal kicker. There's no way I was taking on any of that pressure. But he'll be disappointed. Um, you know, obviously had a, an opportunity, you know, to win the game. Um, I, I think it's sort of you don't really want to get yourself into that position. And you know, the Chiefs will be disappointed with the try. They, um, you know, that um, that they led in to, to get them there. But I mean, what do you say? You know, um, he'll just go back and he's, he's a quality player. I think they'll come out this week. Um, there's a number of um, other things, other factors that uh, they'll be really disappointed about to, to make sure that they don't get themselves in this position. But one thing that we do know after these first three weeks is it's going to come down to these sort of, it might come down to these sort of moments given, you know, how good, um, you know, the, the rest of the competition is. So, um, yeah, who would, who would want to be a damn goal kicker, mate? Not me, that's for sure. <laughs> Fair enough too, Mills. Hey, we're doing this uh, competition called Match Marshy where uh, uh, people have to pick their player of the week uh, in the Super Rugby round and they text it through to us on double eight double three. And if it's the same as Marshy's, they win themselves a Dometic Cool Ice um, uh, roto moulded ice box, which holds like you know twelve big bots. It's um, it, it, it's the shizzle about three hundred bucks oh. worth, mate. Um, if I was going to ask you for a player of the of the round, who who would you be uh, who would you be looking at? Oh mate, I can't go can't go past Brad Weber. I think um, given you know the, the moment and how he played and scored a couple of tries, 
Um, you know, certainly for me, I think, um, you know, he's probably well-deserved from my end, that's for sure. And he's a halfback, Marshy, so let's hope you pick them, mate. Yes, boy. Look it on you, Millsy. It's not not that it's him, but good to see that you're picking a nine. That's just so important. <laughs> so, and with this is the Halfbacks Union apparently right here on the Rugby Run on SCNZ. We're 25 away from uh, 2 o'clock. Mills, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Really appreciate your time on a Sunday. No worries, guys. Good on you. Cheers. Have a good one. Mills Mulyaina there uh, with us. And um, Justin, I, I lost you off camera there for a little bit, so I, I'm not sure um, if you if you managed to mop up that coffee or not. But, uh, you know, based on uh, what Mills said, uh, you know, around Brad Weber and, and, and things, his 100th, um, what did you make of of him and, and uh, where he sits in the all-black mix at the moment? I thought he was excellent, no, no doubt. Uh, he's one of the premier halfbacks in the competition at the moment. Um, deserved his spot in the All Blacks, and you know he's he's constantly probably the closest to pushing. I think at the moment, um, Aaron Smith to the to a degree to the style of play that Aaron Smith can produce um, because he's he's very crisp. He's very quick to the breakdown. Uh, he's distributing. You know when the ball is quick and he's getting good clean out in front of him, um, lightning quick to the backs, runs similar support lines, uh, and he's a very dangerous runner as well. Uh, so, look, at a magic moment for him to achieve his 100th. Obviously, he would have liked to have got the result, but it didn't by any means temper the way that he played. He was out there not thinking about himself, thinking about his team, and, and he just produced a typical performance that you would expect from the calibre of player he is and, and, the, and the effort that he put in, he puts in every week. And it uh, doesn't matter, matter whether it's his third or his, or his 103rd. He'll, he'll play like that every week, Brad Weber, and, and that's why he is so good. So, you know, what an achievement for him. I'm sure there'll be plenty more. And uh, his performance was just, uh, as Mills mentioned, um, really outstanding. And he almost he almost did enough to, to get them across the post, but not quite. No, not quite, but nearly, nearly. And a couple of tries uh, uh, to boot as well. It's 22 away from two here on SENZ, the rugby run. When we come back, we head across the ditch and catch up with Tim Horan. Yeah, 18 away from two. And uh, coming up in the next hour, actually, uh, Tim Horan's going to join us in about an hour's time. Forgot that he was in Queensland, so there's that extra hour that we need to uh, to add in. But that's all right, we'll, we'll catch up with him then. But, Marshy, I did want to bring up with you, I just thought we were running out of time for Tim, so I threw to the break before. But I wanted to bring up with you um, the performance of Logan Henry last night for the Canes off the bench. Uh, he got the call yesterday morning. Mate, we're short a few. Uh, can you drive down from the Manawatu? Ends up on the bench, ends up making his Canes debut. Uh, not only did he make his Canes debut, he had to make it with a fresh Aaron Smith on the other side, you know, the the all-black uh, number one halfback. Uh, how well did he go? Yeah, well, what a call-up, though, first of all. Um, probably looking forward to sitting back, being a rugby fan, uh, watching a Hurricanes match with a cold beer and all of a sudden you find yourself in the car uh, and and heading down uh, to, to be involved in the match. Um, look, no doubt about the fact that uh, he's been shoulder tapped anyway, so, you know, aware that there's a there's a bigger picture, but in his mind that's a big, big picture. Um, so to, to go down and be part of the match day squad and get an opportunity to run out there, um, you know, one of those lifetime experiences in the way that it happened, you'd never, never, ever forget. And 
doesn't it just go to show you for all the professionalism that's in the game, the organisation uh, that that uh, that this game now has, that it still has the ability to basically nearly grab well, grab, grab a club player and say, come on down. So, you know, that, that's the way the game is and, and that's why everybody out there should never give up hope, keep making sure you strap the boots on each week and you never know way, where that may lead. But obviously entering into the game, uh, at the period that he was always going to get into it, Aaron Smith was going to be involved, being named on the bench. Um, Aaron Smith obviously came on earlier uh, than, than expected. Um, and, yeah, it must have been pretty surreal to be out there facing uh, the all-black halfback um, in, in a game that was pretty tense at that stage. And then to, um, you know, run that typical uh, nine line and, and be on the inside and, and grab a meat by two on the night, well, boy, oh, boy. Um, and then, obviously, eventually get the win. Uh, I would have thought that not many more things could go right for the young man. So it's a real fairy tale, tale sco- uh, story, and it's a good story. It's a good story for rugby, and uh, it's a good story to show that, you know, given the, the realms of impossibility that some people see when they're just out there strapping the boots on, as I said, each week, you never know what could happen. You could find yourself out there playing super rugby, scoring a meat pie and winning a match for your team and playing against probably someone that's your idol. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. From a, um, I've been school us up here a little bit. From a halfback's point of view, in terms of the things that you need to know, you know, I'm talking about the calls that you need to be making, understanding the team dynamic, understanding the set plays, understanding all of that stuff. How much has he got um, going on in his head that he's obviously had been fed before he runs out there that he's got to be able to engage as well as play his natural game? I would suggest that they would have been sort of nurturing him through it. Uh, he would have had a bit of a crash course, but, you know, in general, when, you, when you're when you introduced that late in the mix, um, and particularly when you haven't been in the training week, it's usually just about performing as in any position, your core responsibility, uh, and worry about the other things afterwards. Now, look, uh, halfback is a very complicated position. Uh, there are zones to kick. There are calls to kick. There are line-out throws that you need to be aware of, whether it's going to the front, middle, back, whether it's a peel, whether it's a drive, whether it's off the top ball. Uh, scrum feeds are all different. The hooker wants a fast hook, a slow hook. You've got scrum moves to think about. So it's not just about going out there and ripping the ball out to 10 and just doing that because you have to be aware of your movements and where you need to position yourself to, be ex- to best execute that. So I think probably the, the core thing that he would have done was go out there um, – like for me, when I was probably coming in, I didn't really have my head around the new line-out calls or hadn't been involved. I'd usually just start right, nearly have a foot inside the five-metre line, almost illegally, and then just watch the hooker and watch the, the flight of the ball. So you're always on the inside of the ball, following it down the line. Um, and then from there, you're kind of never going to get caught, for example, past the ball, and then you have to grab it back and then try and rip a pass that's gone behind you. So... Little small things like that really help. So I'm sure that somebody coached him on that and said, right, if you're not if you're not sure, just stay inside that ball at the line out uh, and, and things like that. But in general, yeah, I think uh, the rest of it, he would have just got the guidance and he would have asked. There would have been a midfield scrum or a, a scrum where they've called, it, called a move and he's thinking, shit, what's going on here? <laughs> um, and it would have just either been the number eight. And, he, and, he, and because he's new, you know, it's that ability to ask you know, don't be don't be too scared to ask. And that message I'm, I'm I'm hoping would have been given to him. Sounds like it was because 
you know, any player that's there in the training week, if you if you're out there on the field and you're constantly asking what the call is and what it means, then people are going, "Mate, are you listening? <laughs> the training, or have you been drifting? What's going on here?" And you would be you'd be really um, questioned on that, uh, and that would get back to the coaches. So I'm pretty sure that's the way that he approached it, and uh, it looked like it was a raving success. Yeah, looked like it went well. And um, and in terms of starting Fakatava over Smith when you're 0 two and you need a win, what did you make of that call from Brownie? Oh, look, I think it was just trying to show something to the defence who would have analysed uh, really hard the, the Highlanders in their first two games, and, and that's what you do. Uh, you, you, you sit down at the start of the week. Well, actually, nowadays, they're, they're a week ahead, so the coaches, coaching staff, and some of the senior players, to a degree, they don't tend to involve them too much um, in a game two weeks away, but they will get asked some questions. But in general, it's the coaching team who just sit down and look after video clip, video clip, video clip of strengths and weaknesses of teams and you know when you're looking at Aaron Smith you know he's a, he's a massive cog in that Highlanders outfit of importance and the way he plays and the way he orchestrates that team and and so you go about formulating a plan to shut him down or shut or slow him down uh, so you know you've got to try and stay ahead of that trend because if you do that then you don't become predictable and I'd, I'd imagine that Tony Brown was thinking, well, we're 0-2. Um, we need to show the defence something different, what we're doing at the moment. And this is not Aaron Smith's fault. It's just as a team dynamic. Mm. Uh, we'll, we'll throw something different at them, a, a guy that's challenging in a different way. And Fakataba is. He's a completely different style of player. Not all different in the way that he plays. But, you know, 70% of him has a different mindset. Uh, so I would have thought that that was the process just to try and uh, get something um, m- rolling, get their mojo back. And he mentioned that in his interview after the game, Tony Brown, we interviewed him on Sky TV, when Jeff Wilson um, asked him, he said, you know, what, what, can you put your finger on what's going wrong? You know, and he said, well, there's a lot going right. But he said, at the moment, we're just lacking that finishing quality. You know, where when passes need to be caught, they're not being caught, they're being spilt when, you know, we're supposed to be kicking um, to, to re- regain. We're not. We're kicking it away. You know, we're, when we're supposed to be um, holding and maintaining the ball with patience in the 22, we're coughing it up, you know. So, you know, all of that um, comes into the mix and maybe introducing someone else um, helps that. But, you know, that's the balance that you've got to try and get right because it's just such a fine line between these sides in New Zealand. Yeah, it is indeed. It's 10 away from two here with Ricardo Paul and Justin Marshall on the rugby run on SENZ. We'll be back after this. Yeah, we're six away from two o'clock here on SENZ. The rugby run, Ricardo Paul, Justin Marshall with you. And a reminder, we are playing Match Marshy today. So if you want to text us through double eight double three, your player of the round, and it matches Justin Marshall's, he's going to give us his player of the round around 2.30 today, uh, then you could win yourself a Dometic Cool Ice WCI 33 Roto-Molded Ice Box that keeps ice as ice for days and holds a dozen big bots, if not slightly more. So, uh, yeah, great prize on the line. So get texting 8833, your player of the round for this Super Rugby round in the next hour. Sir John Kerwin and Tim Horan will join us to talk more Super Rugby here on The Rugby Run on SENZ. It's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with The Rugby Run on SENZ.
Yeah, just gone two o'clock here on SENZ, the rugby run, and of course, Match Marshy. We are playing that this week, and uh, up for grabs is a fantastic prize from Domatech. It is a Domatech Cool Ice WCI 33 Roto Molded Icebox, 33 litres, stone finish. It's thick refrigeration grade foam insulation. It's got a unique labyrinth seal design as well. It means if you put ice in it, two days later you come back and there'll be ice in it, uh, which is pretty damn cool. Uh, now, uh, to, to win that, you've got to match Marshy, and that means you've got to guess his player of the round. Um, now, we've had a few entries so far. A couple of people have, have gone for Brad Weber. Uh, we've also had a couple for Ardi Savia. Uh, we've had uh, one for Pablo Matera, which I thought was an interesting call. Um, pass, uh, pass, I should say, Peter Gus uh, Sukali uh, as well from the Chiefs has got a, uh, a nomination from Connor. So get yours in double eight, double three. Who do you think Marshy's player of the round will be? If you can match Marshy, that dime. Uh, Dometic Cool Ice uh, uh, Icebox could be all yours. Uh, and Marshy, I mean, we've got uh, Sir John Kerwin coming on shortly. Uh, in terms of... Um, He's not there. Uh, OK, Marshy, we just, uh, Marshy just dropped off. We're tr- trying to get him back on. Uh, I was going to ask him about his standouts uh, from, the, from the Blues. It feels like, and maybe there's a question for Sir John Kerwin, um, from a coaching point of view, given the Blues, the way they lost the game to the Hurricanes and the way uh, that they maybe made a few errors in judgment towards the end of that game against the Chiefs, is this a fitness concern? Is um, you know Because and I know that the judgment thing is a mental thing, but mentally, uh, you know, you, you, your physical fitness plays a part in that because you, you fatigue mentally as well. So if you're not physically fit enough, it, it can lead to poor decision-making later in games. Um, so that might be a question we'll ask Sir John Kerwin. If you haven't caught up with all the results, here they are for you. On Friday night, Moana Pacifica uh, were beaten 33-12 by the Crusaders. Crusaders getting that last try right towards the end to earn them the bonus point. What a difference Cody Taylor made uh, coming off the bench at halftime. Uh, the Drewer... Uh, beat the Rebels 31-26, their first win in Super Rugby. Uh, the Force, wow, I, this had been my dark horse. This had been my dark horse, uh, Marshy. I, the Force to beat the Reds. Um, so much for my dark horse. I, I had kind of thought the drawer, and at, they'd come in from 8 50 to 5 bucks on Friday morning. I thought, oh, well, they were chucking a little bit of coin on. But I thought the laydown, not quite laydown, but the pick of the round was to back the Force, who were paying two thirty at home. Didn't quite happen against that Reds team. No, it didn't, and actually I was the same. So it cost me as well, mate. So I think we chatted about that <laughs> during the week, and uh, shows what we know. Don't, but you know, like I, I certainly thought that the force off the back of some good form um, would would push the Reds really hard. It's a travel trip for them, and it's never easy playing down in Perth. It is completely different conditions, but uh, they're a good outfit and well coached. Obviously, Brad Thorne's got them humming, but if I can want to say one thing just briefly, like I thought the main difference in that entire game. That had a huge influence um, on on the result was James O'Connor. I think he was three try assists. Um, he was banging every conversion over from the touchline. Uh, he he simply was outstanding, and they could have been played out of that game, and and found it a tough night. But their playmaker James O'Connor, man, he stood up big time for the Reds. He was he was the difference, if you ask me, in that game. Yeah, and I think you know it's it's worth pointing out that they were missing uh, their captain the. Uh, who was playing blindside last week, whose name escapes me right now, but also they were missing Tate McDermott as well. You know, they were missing a couple of really big pieces, the Reds, and that only further cemented my thoughts that what we'd seen from the force, that they were going to get the W here. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, it goes to show what a quality side uh, the Reds are. That you can go away, face a few players not being available, and it doesn't affect the rhythm of the team. And then when you need your big players to step up, that's the that's why you pay the the big money for the the, the X factor. Uh, they deliver when you need it, and James O'Connor did, and uh, they didn't miss a beat, and um, they they got a difficult banana skin possibility. Uh, out of their system and um, and nailed the game. Good on them. Yeah, well done to them. Of course, the Blues also uh, survived a bit of a scare with the Chiefs having that last-minute penalty to win 24-22 over the Chiefs. The Canes beat the Highlanders in a pretty average match, 21-14 in the capital, and the Brumbies got up over the Tars 27-20. Um, I know we're going to talk to Tim Horan a little bit later in the hour, Marshy, but that Tars team, um, I think if they had a decent halves pairing, uh, they they would be there or thereabouts with both the Brumbies and the Reds because for me Ben Donaldson hasn't had a great start to this competition. He has let them down on on several occasions, but that forward pack and their outside backs are, are going pretty well. Yeah, they are. They're, they're actually looking very good. Um, the balance is, like you say, not quite there, um, but it certainly um, has, has the potential. Um, look, Jake Gordon's a very good player, I think, uh, and he, he certainly um, you know. Plays with the captain's armband on. He's he's a, he's a wallaby, so he's out there. He's known what he's doing. Um, I think it's Perez, isn't it? In the in the centres. Um, now they they look a good outfit. They they just are a bit immature at the moment. You know they don't have a massive amount of experience in that side to nail down key moments. Uh, they had a hell of a lot of ball in that first half that they didn't really put turn into points, and and that's that's quite harmful when uh, you've got you know a good side that you're playing against. So. They'll, they'll rue those opportunities, um, but they'll learn. Uh, and yes, potentially, uh, they, they need some players to step up and make sure that they do now those those chances when they present themselves. It's six past two here on the Rugby Run on SENZ. Justin Marshall, Ricardo Ball with you through till three o'clock. And uh, joining us now, uh, a man who played many games for Auckland and the All Blacks, Sir John Kerwin. G'day, JK. How are you doing? Outstanding. The Blues won. Why wouldn't I be good? <laughs> Happy as Larry, mate. Happy as Larry. Hey, I, 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 I did have to ask you um, about the Blues and how you think they're travelling. I mean, the way they lost that game to the Canes last week and the way they made some poor decisions in the last sort of 10 minutes of the game last night against the Chiefs, are they fit enough, do you think? Is that an issue? Yeah, no, it's not fitness at all. I think last week they played with so much more confidence for 70 minutes and then the last 10 probably hit their confidence. So what I saw yesterday from the Blues was probably a tentative performance, lacking that out-and-out um, confidence that they showed for 70 last week. And so it was a combination. You know, I don't think they were as, as um, fast or as accurate yesterday at times like they were in the first game against the Hurricanes. Now, I think the last 10 minutes of the Hurricanes really hit their confidence. Now, I think what happened yesterday was... Um, late, they panicked a bit. They got under pressure, and, and Marshall will know what's pressure's like. It does strange things to you, and, and it nearly, you know, it nearly cost them. So for me, the, the the performance yesterday will hopefully get them back to being confident. I mean, that's a that's a good chief side, you know. That's a that's a really good one. We we thought yesterday that it'd go down to the wire. I thought Sam Kane was outstanding. Vitalik was outstanding. Weber was outstanding for the Chiefs. So it's not as if they played poorly. Um, so that's a really good win. I mean, if you ask anybody in the competition at the moment if they'd be happy to beat the Chiefs, they would, no matter how you got there. 
Jake Gay, thanks for joining us on uh, Cigar and Pizza Sunday. In fact, I thought I'd get you on early enough that yeah. we didn't go on to after Cigar and Pizza Grupper. So uh, <laughs> you, you'll be you'll be making sense at this stage of the afternoon. So that was my, my, my reason for getting you on this early. But um, tell me, where, whereabouts on that uh, blues train? What carriage are you sitting on at the moment? Are you sitting firmly at the front and, and believing that it's going to stay on its tracks? Or... Uh, you're sort of slightly heading towards the rear. Well, I, I just think that the Crusaders, you know, your old team, Marshy, has started so well. I think, you know, what, uh, you know what they like when they get a bit of a bee in their bonnet. And I think losing last year, even though the circumstances were, were strange, um, you know, they, they wouldn't be happy about that. I see them as in really good form. We need to... Keep our players well. Great to see Bowden back out there. Bowden came out there, you know. And if Bowden had been on the field last week, would the last ten minutes have been different? I think so. I think yes. Um, sad that Rogers got a bit of a ding. We'll wait to see how bad that is. But I think the depth of your squad and you know how you can grind out a win, um, you know, for me is positive. So I'm, I'm right up the front. Marshy, I'm right up the front, mate. I'm sitting in business class like when you travel. So I'm right up the front. Um, and I'm up the front because I, I think that, you know, I can't believe that people are saying, oh, it was, a, it, was a, it was a tough win yesterday and they nearly lost it. That was the Chiefs, mate. That was the Chiefs, you know. They had All Blacks all over the park. They brought All Blacks on and Anton Leonard Brown. You know, that's a very good Chiefs side that played really well. So that's a great win yesterday. So, yeah, I'm... I'm uh, I'm I'm confident that we're going to be there or thereabouts. Now, are the Crusaders probably the favourites again? Yeah, I just think they're playing exceptionally well. And they've got some good depth in their squad. You know, they're, they're bringing young guys in. And some sort of second-year second or third-year All Blacks, we'll call them, like Will Jordan, are really starting to, to, to shine every week. So, yeah, I'm right up the front. Marcy, business class with you, mate. Champagne in the hand, we're all good. <laughs> well, definitely have to be a free ticket or airports for you to be in business class. I know that much. But um, <laughs> hey, look, you, you made uh, the transition between both codes, um, and like defensively, there are different requirements. Like you really turn in, don't you, in rugby league, and you you smack the man, and you don't really think too much about drift. How do you, how have you like different positions? Obviously, seeing um, two of us are checking at twelve. What have you made of his transition at the moment and what do you see as being a couple of his main problems in making that switch, particularly defensively from rugby league to rugby? I think it's a really good question, Marcia. I think there's three different things. So for me, rugby league is uh, one-dimensional in the sense that everything's in front of you. You're going back and forth, so it's like a shuttle run. Really difficult, but things are very much straight in front of you. There's often plays where you um, have players running at you, but you have to decide between a couple of players. Um, that's the first point. The, the, the second point is rugby union. It's three-dimensional. So you're pushing, you're pushing up, you're pushing across. You've got guys inside you talking. You've got a lot of things going around you. And that's also in mixed play. Um, you know, and rugby union also, once you've affected the tackle, there are another three or four competencies that you have to do. In rugby league, you tackle... Um, 
you know, and you hold the guy down as long as you can, get up, get back your five yards or, or ten yards, whatever it is. This is not a criticism, this is just an observation. I think the biggest thing um, for Roger is I don't think he's going to have any trouble adapting. It'll take some time because you have to live those moments when you're drifting from the centre to the fullback or from the second five to the centre and there's a winging coming in. You have to see those pictures a lot for, for your decision-making to become natural. The other thing I think with Roger is outstanding defender and cutting down times from fullback in the Warriors, but normally from a line break, right? Um, now, what's happening with Roger yesterday, and I think the Chiefs did it on purpose, mate. They just ran down his channel. Right, they tried to isolate him with some, with some, um, you know, with some dummies, and then just ran down his channel. So yesterday he got, put, he probably made more tackles yesterday, you know, than he'd make in five or six games in rugby league. Because how often did you see Roger make an outstanding um, cover defence tackle in rugby league? But he wasn't making fifteen to twenty tackles a day. He was making four, right? So that repetition of defence and decision-making is really tiring. Now, when I say the Chiefs did that on purpose, I think they ran down his channel to tire him out so that he, so that he wouldn't, wouldn't uh, have much left on attack. But there was one, and you, you remember it, um, Marcy, because you love the finer arts of, of the game, but there was one action on the right-hand side yesterday where he absolutely was one-on-one with Tupo, I think, and he just, um, he just stepped him, accelerated on the outside, got him between two guys, and then gave it to, to Rico, who, who was you know, in, the, in, the, in the Chiefs' wing um, jam pretty well, and that pass wasn't completed. But how often, how, how many times lately have you seen just an outside break like that? So if we can keep him healthy, I think he's got so much to offer the game. Um, but as you know, second five and centre is the most critical positions yeah. for your defensive line. So we don't need him having four or five weeks off. Uh, we haven't play him every week if, if he's going to make the All Blacks. And I've seen enough already that you'd put him in the squad because um, he's got that X factor. Wow, that's awesome. That's good news and, and good to hear. And I, and I totally agree with you and probably indicative of why he's got a dicky shoulder now because he had to make so many front-on tackles as well. Like Usually they're side-on when you're, when you're defending in the outside where you can sort of shuffle people to the sideline but they were coming straight at him and, and I remember that instance too which he made that step and that little um, opportunity for Rico they should have finished that um, another area of expertise for you mate uh, is wing play what have you made of like by, by his own admission and I think everyone saw it last year including the All Blacks it was a pretty average year for Caleb Clark he, he took a gamble with the sevens um, how, have you, how have you seen him coming back into the mix and in general the balance of that Auckland back three so so important, and they gave Pierre Fetter a chance at fullback as well. Yeah, I thought I thought put a Fetter. I mean, just stay there, son. With a you know, because everyone's yeah. saying, "What are you a ten? You're a 15. But he looked really good yesterday. He looked good when he came on late. Um, he he probably brought a little bit too in, too much energy when he came on late against the Canes last week. But I thought he was exceptional. Um, yesterday and that kick that he made was unbelievable. So I'd say, look, stay at fullback, son. You're looking good there. Um, there's probably a, sp- a spot available at the moment for competition at least with uh, Zahn, 
you know, possibly showing a little inexperience, um, you know, because of his age, he'll, he'll come right. Um, Caleb looks fantastic, mate. I was behind him yesterday. Um, he was doing this sort of warm-up with, with the music playing over the loud speaking. It was sort of, I don't know what it was. He called it bump or something. <laughs> I don't know. But he, he, he looked bloody good. He's got some rhythm, the man. But he just looks really good, Marcy. You know, he's... Um, He's fit and he's strong. He's got an amazing power base. You know, he's got a big mully. Um, and you know what that's like when when uh, when you're stepping off the outside channel on the inside shoulder. So yesterday, a couple of times, the thing I liked about him was there was a hard run to make and he made it, stepped off his um, left foot, attacked the inside shoulder. And he's always making that advantage line in tight situations, which is that, that they are... Um, yards of gold because you get wide, you know, and if he can get four or five yards over just with strength, then all your ball runners that are coming to do the pods, they're all on side, they're all running onto it, you don't have to go backwards to reset, and then the try he scored was not easy, you know, it's a bouncy ball, and you know, the all-black skipper, who I thought had an exceptional game yesterday, snapped him, mate. Like, put a yeah. really good shot on him. And this is the all-black captain that couldn't stop him. So I think, if you think about balance, and I don't know, maybe I'm a bit old school like you, Marcia, but I like, a ba- I like balance, you know. I like, yeah. I like a second five that's a bit stronger, that can take it up, and then one that can dance. Um, and I like wings, like Will Jordan at the moment and Caleb Clark on the wings would, be, for me, be a great balance. You know, you're not going to get Will coming in and, and bashing and, and smashing forwards, and, but he's that finesse guy. He's that chip-kick guy. He's that out-and-out speed where with Caleb, if the forwards are getting tired and he's coming off his wing around that ruck, I think he could be devastating. So, you know, I, I think... I think early in your career, when you when you hit a few issues and you've got to show some resilience, and you know he he, he suffered some tough times. It didn't work out as planned last year, and I think um, he's come back, lost, uh, you know, got fit, and he looks good. You're too good, J.K. You're way too good at what you do because you pretty much, in a nutshell, got to my next question. But I'll halfway ask it anyway. You mentioned the All Blacks and their back three, and let's be perfectly honest, it's been all over the shop in the recent couple of years they've we switched me to Seve Reese and George Bridge. They've had Rico Yuani on the wing. They've shifted Will Jordan there. Then they had the Geordie Barrett on the right wing. Um Lestifying Anuku's had a pretty good couple of years. Um you've you've mentioned, you know, Caleb Clark, Will Jordan balance could be quite good. Uh is there anyone else that comes into the mix in your mind um that the All Blacks will be looking at? And and to a degree I'm probably asking you what do you make of Flying Anuku is, is he because we haven't had anyone like Julian Savia, have we? Since Julian lost his mojo, lost his mojo, but when he was playing that style of game, that big, strong, but beating players on the outside wing play, nobody's really replicated that again in that position. Would that be fair? Yeah, that's fair. I think your first point is the biggest point. Um, we have a absolute um, wealth of talent, but I think it's starting to play to our detriment, right? I would really like to see this all-black side settle. I would like mm. them to go, this is our team, and we're going to play them. You know, when you look at, you know, when you look at um, the French side, you know, when you look at their amazing 9 and 10 combo, they just play together. They play together all the time, Intermac and, 
and um, you know, that, for me, for me, that's what yeah, Dupont. That's what we. That's what we need in this All Black team. Unfortunately, like who do you leave out? It's not that they aren't good enough, the other guys, but I still think, you know what it's like, Marsha, you just get a feel. Sometimes you can run, and I, I guess this would be the same for you when you played with an eight and you played with a 10. You just yep. know what they're thinking. You just know what they're doing. You know, when I was playing, um, I, didn't have to, I didn't even have to look for Michael Jones when him and I were playing together. I just knew that he was there. Sometimes I would pass blind, I was so in, in a traffic situation, I was so confident. So this is my problem. And look, it's not, it's not a criticism, Marshy, because shit, it's hard, right? Who is it? Will mm. Jordan? Taylor Clark? Who is it? You know, but I would really like to see them go, right, Georgie Barrett is our best 15. Okay? Boom. Done. Mm-hmm. And we're going to play Will Jordan, and we're going to play Caleb. And look, centre, I think, is the biggest issue, because we've got all these players now. But I really think it's going to be to our detriment not being able to try some sort of combinations. So we've got 18 test matches, mate. 18, right? Yeah. 18 test matches. That means Caleb Clark needs to play most of those to get to the World Cup, to have enough experience to win those tight ones, you know? And so for me, it's, 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 a, it's a really difficult thing because we've just got this wealth of, of talent. But I would like to see us start settling, stop missing guys around, um, and then, if, you know, all of a sudden, instead of sharing up the footy, you know, if you haven't played for four weeks because, you know, because, you're, because you're, the guy in your position has been playing better, then you get a chance, man. That's going to be a huge day for you. You can either step into that void or, or not. It's a good way to understand whether people can handle it or not as well. Uh, JK, on that, you know, you mentioned the midfield there. Um, it seemed to me t- towards the end of last year, um, with the with the All Blacks set up, they they wanted to have a twelve who could break the line or at least bend the line, particularly against the South Africans um, and against the French. Um, and but they had David Harvey in that position, who's not that kind of player. You know, when you want a howitzer and you've got a, you know, you've you've got a rapier basically. Um, do you do you think that, given that those those trials that they had um, over the end of season, that someone like uh, Thomas Umanga Jensen maybe come into the reckoning, uh, somebody that can bend the line in that twelve jersey? And do you think Harvey's time in the twelve might be under threat? I, I actually disagree with you, mate, because I don't think they want that anymore. Because they let Nani Laumapi go, mm. right? And Nani Laumapi was was our next Ma'anonu. Now, I think the mistake they, they made with Nani was they asked him to be something that he wasn't, and he lost a bit of confidence. You know, they wanted him to kick the ball. They wanted him to do some extra finesse stuff. You know, Ma didn't learn to kick the ball sort of until he was eight years in, but we didn't care because he'd run over back lines. Now, I think bending the line, I, I think we need to be very, very careful saying we want a rugby team that's going to beat this style of football. Why don't we just play a style of football where everyone goes, actually... Um, they have to play the way we want to play. Because I'm scared that we came out of the last World Cup saying, oh, we've got to try and beat the Northern Hemisphere side, you know. But I don't think it's a bend-the-line situation. I think it's dealing with slowing down of the ruck and um, that, in, in course, giving the defensive line too much time to then get off the line and put us under pressure. I think Roger Tuivasa-Shek can bend a defensive line just with his feet, you know. And I think Havili... Um, Anton Leonard Brown would be able to get us over the advantage line. So I'm not so much worried about that. I just think we need to come up with a different 
strategy to beat Northern Hemisphere sides. Yeah, nice, JK, nice. Hey, listen, thanks very much for your time, uh, mate, today. It's uh, it's always good to chat code with you. Just before you go, uh, we do a thing here on the Rugby Run where Marshy picks his player of the uh, of the round, and people have to have to match it and have to text her on double eight double three uh, to to win this uh, Domatech Cool Ice Icebox. If I was going to ask you who your player of this Super Rugby round was, who would it be? Oh, that's a really good call. Um, I'd actually go... Uh, Brad Webber, just because I thought that he was absolutely outstanding. Two meat pies yesterday, 100 games for his province. Um, just thought he was very, very good. Direct, you know, direct, um, direct mark up against another All Black incumbent, and I just thought he was outstanding. So a uh, little bit of an emotional call by me, but I would give him, a, give it to him. Yeah, good stuff. Perifetta was pretty nice. good as well, to be fair. Yeah, Perifetta was very good. I think he injected himself into the back line beautifully a few times, didn't he? He did. He did indeed, mate. We, we won't hold you back from cigars, pizza and grappa any longer, JK. Thanks very much for your time, mate. Go well. <laughs> I've got to go on the TV with Marshy tonight, so I might have to take it there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds like that was a request from Marshy, actually, didn't it? Yeah, on reflection. <laughs> go, go well, JK. Right. Thanks, Thank mate. You, Cheers. Okay, see ya. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. An absolute legend. Uh, Sir John Koo in there with us on the rugby run at 25 past two. And uh, yeah, Marshy, is interesting uh, couple of points that JK made. I, the reason that I talked about that bending the line thing, because it seemed to me, particularly against the Springboks, how many times did you see that short pass to, to Harvili? And it looked like that's exactly what they were trying to get him to do. Well, on that particular night, there was there's a strong possibility that they were trying to get him hurt more than anything <laughs> else, because they never changed their mindset. Once I think they had two or three digs and there was no way that he was going through there, that they were just jamming in. Um, why they didn't adapt is a, was a real concern because that's either the either the, the coaching staff not getting the message out there or it's the generals not recognising that there's absolutely no space or no advantage in trying to go through that particular zone. But, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. I, I kind of um, agree with JK to a degree that uh, what we want to do is try and play to our strengths. We want to try and get back to playing the way that we play the game uh, and, and we dictate terms. And, and at the moment, I guess to a degree, we're getting frustrated into trying to play a different game. Well, what we've got to do is traditionally play the way that we know how to play the game. And, and that's a unique way. And it's really well balanced. It's, it's with forwards that all know how to use the ball. It's with uh, centres that um, have skill set to catch and pass, that have footwork. Uh, great onto, you know, outside back and orchestrated by good nine and tens, you know, with, with great decision-making, and then out to a back three that is full of pace, power, finesse, uh, and, and finishing quality. You know, that, that's our strength, and that's the way that we like playing the game. And if it takes us 12 or 13 phases to achieve that, well, we're happy to roll it up our sleeves and do that. And that's probably one thing that's been slightly off in recent in recent games. So... Yeah, I think it's more about us adapting to the way we want to play and, and not the way the opposition are trying to make us play uh, than specific players and, and trying to play a different game that we're not used to playing. Yeah, it's um, it, it certainly, I, I think, made sense because, you know, for years and years and years, the All Blacks were the gold standard, right? And when we dictated yeah. how innovations in rugby and how rugby should be, but it did seem like since... 
that last World Cup in South Africa, uh, that last World Cup that the South Africans won, that it was mm. like we were, we're still trying to adjust and trying to win that World Cup that's already gone rather than look forward. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and, and I guess you know when you go through adversity like that and and you and you come up against a brick wall, um, you know, and, and England on in the way that they played completely frustrated us into not allowing us to get our game going. Um, that's when you've got to learn how you do get your game going, not change your game. Just go, right, okay, this is what they did really successfully. And and you hear a lot of minds out there saying the way to do that is is to, as you mentioned, bend the line, go through it first, and then go around it. Um, and, and to a degree, that has some merit. But I certainly think that that also brings into slowing the ball down, you know, against good back rows. Even if you can get over the advantage line, if, they, if they're efficient, they can still slow your ball down. You end up in the same situation after ruck two, ruck three. So I think we've just got to be a, a little bit smarter, um, not get scared to just persevere. Uh, you know, I think the All Blacks at one stage just went, bugger it, we can't do that by passing it. So we'll try and kick it to the wing. Um, but then teams pick up on that as well. So, yeah, there's there's plenty to think about and there's, and there's lots um, of innovations that I think that we're capable of but I certainly do think consistency and selection is a big part of that you know we've got to you've got to settle on your best fullback you've got to settle on your best 10 don't put him at 15 if you think that he can't be selected this week at 10 if he can't be selected there then he comes off the bench you know all of those positions all have to have synergy um, as JK mentioned and I think he was speaking a lot of common sense in what he had to say. Yeah, indeed, man that knows the footy uh, code pretty well, old uh, JK. It is uh, coming up to 2.30 here on SENZ, the rugby run. Up next, Justin Marshall is going to give us his player of the round for match. Marshall, you've got five minutes to get your thoughts in. Double eight, double three. Who is your player of the Super Rugby round? I know that uh, JK uh, mentioned a couple. He mentioned Perifetta. He mentioned uh, Brad Weber. I know Mills Molina mentioned Weber as well. But who is your player? Player of the round, double eight, double three, a Dometic Cool Ice, double CI, WCI 33 roto molded ice box uh, in stone from uh, Dometic. Could be yours if you match Marshy. We'll get that next here on SCNZ, the rugby run. Yeah, this is the rugby run at 26 away from three o'clock. And Marshy, it is time for match, Marshy. Time for the uh, reveal. Who is uh, Marshy's man of the round? Okay, I've done so for the Dumatec cooler, which uh, is this outstanding chill box, which keeps the big box cold as well, which makes me very envious of whoever's going to win this. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> I'm working on one um, for you. I'm, I'm working on one for you, Marshy. Three, two, one. Okay. So, in third place, um, another outstanding performance was Ardi Savia. Uh, second best player of the round, I thought, was um, Stephen Petofeta. I thought his adaptation to playing fullback was outstanding, and obviously. He set up the last try with his injection into the back line and then clutched the, the goal line conversion, which was outstanding to get the Blues home. But sentimentally and also for an outstanding uh, performance, Brad Weber, I thought, uh, a couple of po- uh, meat pies, and he just did everything he possibly could out there. It was simply superb from the little number nine. So here's the Dumatek round three player of the 
round from uh, from this week. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, we've got a few who have uh, sent through Brad Weber. We've got uh, a text here from Chris Fife. He said Brad Weber. Uh, Hal Harding said Brad Weber. And we've got someone else who didn't put their name on it. So please put your name on when you're texting through. Uh, so I'll get uh, Ben, uh, our producer, to, to do a draw. He'll draw one of those names out and call our winner a little bit later on in the show. It is... Uh, Coming up 25 to 3 when we come back. Tim Horan joins us out of Queensland. It's 20 away from 3 here on SENZ, the rugby run. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you. And joining us out of Queensland is uh, former Wallaby great Tim Horan. G'day, Tim. How are you doing? G'day, guys. Nice to be on the show. Yeah, thanks for coming on, mate. I trust you and the family are, are safe after the terrible flooding that you guys have had. Yeah, it's been a pretty um, ordinary week for obviously everyone around southeast Queensland, also northern New South Wales, but a year in Brisbane. You know, second biggest flood in sort of 10, 12 years. And, yeah, we were lucky. We're sort of our house we suddenly sold about three months ago. It was close to the river, but unfortunately put a fair bit of our stuff in storage, had rugby jerseys and memorabilia and bits and pieces. But, um, you know, we saved about 70% of it, so it wasn't too bad. And a lot better than, you know, a lot of people around the area. It's uh, been pretty devastating. Yeah, see, it sounds like it, mate. The pictures have been uh, horrific, but glad to hear that you guys are uh, are all well and good, mate. And, and much like your, your Queensland Reds, I mean, uh, last week, uh, in the week leading up to this game away in Perth against the Force, the way they'd started and the fact you were going there without Angus Scott Young or, or Tate McDermott, I, to be fair, mate, I lost a little bit on back in the Force in this one. Um, were you surprised that they managed to get up despite all that adversity? Oh, I think what they and James O'Connor said this after the game, and what you know, what a match he played, and sort of so much leadership that he showed at fly half. But you know, he wanted to do it for all the Queenslanders. It was been a pretty tough week. I think the Reds only had two training sessions. They couldn't find a ground that hadn't been flooded. So of course, Ballymore was about where they usually train was about two feet underwater. So um, they had two training sessions. They took about ten hours to get to Perth because the flight was delayed. But you know, I think all those things are just part and parcel of, of professional sport these days. And yeah, great job. Um, three from three now, same as the Brumbies, of course, last night. Um, they had a good win over the Waratahs. So both those teams, the Brumbies and the Reds, from our point of view, are um, you know tracking pretty nicely. Hey, Timmy, Marshy here. Um, yeah, obviously thinking about you guys over there and uh, good to hear that the majority of what you and your family have got has been, been salvaged, um, which is really good to hear. Um, just on the lighter side of things, mate, this is probably around about the time you would mind there being a test match, test match in Invercargill. You guys over there in Australia, I think I've seen you playing three rounds of rugby in the rain. You'd be you'd be <laughs> outstanding over here. <laughs> yeah, I know it'd be fantastic. But I think, well, Marcy, probably this time eleven years ago, you and I were playing against each other in that classic Wallabies, classic All Blacks match oh. for not only not only the flood but also for the earthquake in Christchurch. <laughs> I don't think I've, I, my hamstrings haven't recovered after that match ten years ago. <laughs> there, what, that was great, mate. The only thing that was getting flooded that day was the bar. But um, <laughs> hey, yeah, look, uh, initially, sort of. What have you made and your, have it been your impressions of uh, the way that the Australian teams are playing and, and, and the intensity of the competition there? Obviously, the, the Indrua have been introduced. Um, the Brumbies and the Reds, you've mentioned, have been quite strong. The Waratahs look not bad as well, do you think? Yeah, I think they've been pretty good, Marshy. I think um, the new coach, Darren Coleman, he was coaching in LA and, of course, they won that the US competition last year. But he also done a lot of different clubs in Sydney and won a couple of premierships there. So he's he's come up through the ranks. He's a, um, a a coach who wants to play a bit of a different style of game, and but they're really fit in the fours. They're very physical. So, 
know, the game last night in Canberra, you know, they're only seven points behind in the end for the Waratahs, and that that game last year they lost by 60 points. So they've come a really long way with their culture, and yeah, they they look good. Um, I'm also, you know, Marsh, and you probably see it as well. We're just a bit careful here in Australia not to, you know, sometimes you get a little bit of fool's goal with the way we play early on before we play any Kiwi team. So we know the competition. I think it's round 10, which is the super round down in Melbourne. We know that's coming, but we've got to prepare ourselves and, and try and get ahead, and you know, especially the, the Brumbies and the Reds, to try and win these as many matches as you can so that when you come up against the Kiwi teams, it's uh, going to be a tough ask. What have you made of the, the midfielders so far? Obviously, it's a heavily sort of contested, but also, I would have thought, reasonably vacant position uh, in the in the Wallabies setup. Um, obviously, your areas of expertise in particular is 12. Um, and, and again, the, Dave Rennie's probably going to have this conundrum of Quade Cooper coming back. Man, I thought James Connor was arguably, in, in, in both New Zealand and Australia, the, the player of the round. Like, far out, he was good. What, what's your impressions of the midfield and uh, I, I guess the selection issues that later in the year Dave Rennie's going to face in, in that, those positions? Yeah, Marsh, I think there's like there's so many players to pick from and you just got to try and get the right combination. Um, you've got Hunter Paisami, of course, is um, back with the Reds now playing after injuring his knee. Um, he's been in you know, OK form. Um, you look at Jordan Pattaya, who's on the wing. Do you play him at centres? And then you've got guys at the Brummers, you know, Lenny Tower, you've got um, Fichetti. So you've got all these players, Isaiah Parisi. So you've got all these players who are playing some good footy, but... As you and I know, mate, you've got to get that combination right. Where it's, you know, like the Frank Bunce and Little and go back to Craig Innes. And all those sort of players had combinations. And so I think Dave Rennie, he knows that he's got to try and probably pick and stick a, a 10, 12, 13 combination that can take you through this year and then into next year towards the World Cup. What about looking from afar? You mentioned it earlier. Uh, you, know, you don't like to premeditate what's going to happen in round 10, but What's been your impressions of of the New Zealand games that you've managed to see? What uh, in terms of the the, the level, the skill set? Um, obviously, we've got Moana Pacifica that was introduced the other night, who were pretty tidy against a slightly understrength Crusaders team. But in general, you know, there's a big Blues train over here, mate. If you want to get on, you want to get a carriage. Um, so, <laughs> what's been your impressions of our sides? Yeah, they've been brilliant, haven't they? And and all sides there, they you know the the brand of rugby that you play and the fitness levels. You, you usually and you've seen it, you know, you were part of it in the Crusaders early in the year. Crusaders usually take four or five rounds to get their fitness up and get into the competition. But I think all teams in New Zealand, from all the games that I've seen, have, have jumped out of the blocks pretty nicely. Even the, you know, what a cracking game that was last week. It's one of the best games we've seen for a couple of years. The, the Blues and the Hurricanes, um, at that level of match was, was incredible. So... Yeah, I like the Blues. Tuvashi Shek, we're obviously watching him very closely over here in Australia. Of course, we've seen him a lot with um, the NRL. So, And he looks to have been you know, pretty sharp. I actually thought Rashi might have been more of a player at 15 rather than at 12, but uh, I thought he was very good. 
Yeah, I, I think he's uh, he's been kind of great. I think he surprised a few. We had Razor on uh, the, uh, the the Crusaders show we do, um, and asked him about that before the the, the season kicked off. Uh, Tim and he said he would have played him at fourteen probably, and then um, then brought him in, you know, after he learned the game. But uh, it seems to have got, it seems to have worked reasonably well. I wanted to ask you about a guy that we saw a bit of last season, uh, and he seemed to lose his confidence, and I think he seemed to lose the confidence of the coach too. And that's uh, Noah uh, Lolisio. Uh, he's obviously the starting for the Brumbies at ten. Uh, how much do you, does it look like he's learnt from last year, and do you expect him to be in the shakeup for the Wallabies ten jersey again this year? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's just time in the saddle, isn't it? Like, we can all, you know, be, be in the cricket nets for as long as we like, but you've got to spend time in the middle, and he needs to do that week in, week out. Uh, there was a few little areas that Dave Rennie wanted him to improve on. I think he, I think he's played eight test matches, and five of those are against the All Blacks. So it's a pretty big start to your career. Um, he's got a little bit bigger. He's put on two or three kilos in the off-season. I think he's carrying the ball a little bit more, because that defensive line, as we've seen now, is pretty hard to break. So... Yeah, I think there's going to be talk. Um, as much as I'm a Quade Cooper fan, I, I just think Quade did his job last year. I don't see any reason to bring him back this year. Um, I think that we need to look at the World Cup, and the World Cup's, what was it, 18, 20 months away. Quade now, I think, 34 or 35. James O'Connor, 33. So James O'Connor will definitely feature in the World Cup. Uh, but I think we need to bring these younger kids through now, Lolosiu and... Um, ben Donaldson, there's uh, Pasatawa, uh, the fly half from the Western Force, big raps on here as a 20-year-old. So it's going to be difficult, but we need to start with Dave Rennie. He needs to start picking his side that he wants to play at the World Cup. Hey, what have you made of the um, scrums so far, Timmy? No, no, no. I'm taking uh, the I don't really take much notice <laughs> of the scrums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, no, they're pretty, actually, actually, quite seriously, Marcia, the, the the Waratahs' front row have been very good the last couple of weeks. Um, they struggled a little bit last night against the Brumbies. Um, but we've got some really good stocks in the front row now here in Australia. And you look back five, seven years ago, and you know most international teams were trying to take on the Wallabies at scrum time. But I think we've got a couple of really good front rowers to choose from. So um, they're probably the only position we're struggling a bit with depth is in the second row. Um, you know, a few, we've got a couple of players playing offshore in, in Rory Arnold and those sort of guys, so we're Skelton. So we're a bit short, a bit light on in the second row, and um, not sure if you guys have seen now, we're able to pick three players each tournament off from yep. offshore if you've played 30 test matches. So that'll be interesting to see if Dave Rennie won, if he needs that. Certainly Samu Karevi's going to be one, and then he's got two other options if he needs them. Oh, well, consider me very impressed by your your front row and in fact your forward knowledge to me mate thank you so much for joining us i know you're having a tough time up there at the moment uh, we're thinking of you we'll have a beer for you no doubt you have it one for us and we'll catch up uh, catch up again soon thanks for being on the show mate thanks marshy thanks guys um good to good catch up and marshy can you just write a letter to your pm and tell her to maybe open up the border so i can come across and do that bit of duck hunting with you and posty one day no doubt, mate. I'll, I'll get it organised. I'll send her a private message and um, get you sorted. So uh, get yourself prepared. <laughs> Good on you guys. Nice to chat. Yeah. If any if anyone can get you an audience with uh, the PM, it's Justin Marshall, the uh, unofficial mayor of Queenstown. It is a ten away from three here on the rugby run on SENZ. It's five to three. Uh, rugby run just about done. I can tell you that Ben has uh, done the draw for that. Uh, uh, Dometic, Cool Ice, WCI 33, uh, Icebox, Marshy, and Hal Harding of Daga Vegas has taken it away, mate. <laughs> yes, boy. 
Well done. Well done, the Hulls. We'll get that out to you, mate, uh, for picking uh, Brad Webber. Marshy, what do you got on for the rest of the day? You got a kid? You, you, are you flying to Auckland or are you doing that from home, the studio stuff with JK? Uh, no, I'm flying to Auckland, so I'm in uh, the Sky Studio tonight for breakdown at 8 30, so that'll be great. And uh, I'm looking forward to a week back in Queenstown, and then we've got a massive round of Super Rugby, Super Rugby Pacific again next week, and probably one of the big highlight uh, games will be that Crusaders Chiefs game. Yeah, that's. I tell you what, mate, doesn't get any um, easier out there for tipsters, does it? It does some not. Tough choices to make. It is, mate. That's that's almost a precursor to the final. I think we'll be back with Rugby Run next Sunday from one. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.